It's Tuesday, April 26, 2022, and you're listening to episode 595 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 38 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. This is Julia. I'm Brodorn. I want to lead this episode off with a shout out and a thank you specifically to James Willits, who invited us to come up and be guests of honor at WashingCon. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun up there, met a lot of cool people, ran some great games. And just want to say, I really appreciate you guys having us out there. And if you live in that area, keep an eye on their website and see when they've Got their next con coming up, assuming they do a 2023, which I imagine they would, because it's very much worth going to. So I'll give one last link to that in the show note, just so you can bookmark it for future reference at washingcon.com. Speaking of cons, Fear the Con 2022 coming up in June fearthecon.com will send you over to con planner games are starting to roll out on there now uh really starting to do a push finally to get the word out let people know the con is happening all the information is out there if you haven't gone and looked and are interested at all there's no price at the door because this was fully funded by kickstarter yep and i've started trickling out my games i'm trying to trickle them out so people that sign up later have a chance to if they want a game with me they'll I don't know, maybe I'm not that special, but if you want to, you will have that opportunity. But I did post both my game that is a Kickstarter reward, and also I posted something I said I was going to do an episode or two ago, and I did in first slot post an intro to RPGs. So if you've never played a role-playing game before, or you are bringing someone that's ever played a game before, this will be a really low-pressure, easy-going game that's just going to be about house pets getting up to trouble. So it's going to be nice and easy, and if you show up, I'll even give you your first tube of dice and a pocket mod game, a little one-pager fold-up game that will be your first RPG that you own. So let's get into it. Wayne, you had a subject you want to talk about, which is something we have talked about certainly in bits and pieces, maybe in total at some point. Our podcast is almost 16 years old, so I'm going to admit I don't remember all of our episodes. (laughs) But since our views have evolved, our experiences have changed, and we also have somewhat different hosts behind the mics, there were some things here we wanted to revisit, so take it away. Yeah, so what triggered this conversation is a one-shot game that I ran recently. It's a Savage World setting called Legion of Liberty. It's superheroes in 1776, so basically the Revolutionary War. And I was running the Jumpstart, so I didn't come up with my own scenario. I'm running one that is already put out there. As I'm running it, the players get into the final combat and i just stomp them and i don't mean it was just a slightly bad battle they got crushed as it started i'm thinking about all the things i normally do when i run a combat in a campaign and how i pull my punches here and how i adjust things and i do some of that i take some things off the table but still as it all wound up they lost And that is not something I've ever had happen in a one-shot I was running, or even in a regular game in combat, I've never had the players lose. And I talked to them all afterwards, everyone had fun. I'm starting to realize I may be shortchanging my games by not ever allowing the players to lose. Because 
everyone knows they're going to win the combat. And I just don't think I may be getting the best stories if I take that off the table. And I wanted to see what you guys have experienced with this because I ended the game feeling horrible, feeling like I have just let them down. They failed it and everything is my fault. I gave them this horrible experience and they've talked about how much fun they had in the game. But I was beating myself up all night about it. You know, I want to add one parameter to this or maybe not make it a parameter, but deal with it and then put it aside, which is one shots and con games. Because people walk into those with a lower level of investment. They want the mayhem and the chaos. If their character gets killed, it's not like this was something they have spent the past year and a half investing in. Well, and the difference is with a con game and a one shot, you don't have to deal with the aftermath. Yeah. With a campaign, you have to deal with the aftermath. And even if somebody else at the table is the one that killed you, I was running a Transformers game at a previous Fear of the Con, and... John Wells was playing Brawl, which is one of the Combaticons, and he killed most of the rest of the party. And <laughs> fortunately, it was well into the slot, so everyone got plenty of play time. But it was funny, you know, it was, yeah. and it's a one shot. So it wasn't like, oh gosh, now everyone just lost their characters for the next however many months or years we play this. But talking in the context of larger games, I actually just recently encountered this. From the other side, I was mentoring someone who was going to GM for the first time ever in their life in our West March's D&D game. When I was talking to this person, they were giving me ideas they had for different encounters and monsters the party might run into. And what they really wanted to do was a story that surrounded a red dragon that was abducting people and had all its own plots. And I won't get deep into the weeds of the gaming story. But I was looking at the monster manual and I said, okay, based on the party's level and composition, we could probably handle a young red dragon with a minor minion or two if you just want to spread things out so we don't kill it by action economy. If you don't know what that is, I'll link to a different episode and you can hear what I say on action economy or sometimes called turn economy. I said, conversely, we could probably take two wormlings. But I said, anything beyond that, especially given the layer actions and the environmental actions and all that stuff the dragons get in 5e, it will be a massacre. I mean, it won't even be a fight. And when we started running the game, the game master blindsided me a bit by when we were trying to judge the size and the power of the dragon in character. It came out, nope, this was an adult. Oh, geez. And I'm like, we're dead. This thing... In a single round, will not just kill one of us, it will kill several of us every single round. Within three rounds tops, we are all dead. And so we ended up escaping its lair, and we fled a distance before the Red Dragon caught up with us, because it flies faster than we can run. It catches up to us, and it's about to land and make the attack. And in character, I turned to the other characters and said, we need to scatter in every different direction, because... That's our only hope is that some of us can stealth away or hide because whoever goes after first at the very least is going to die. We need to run in 360 degrees. And the game master took a step back when I said that and started to realize that, yeah, this was an overstated combat and agreed to change it down to a young red dragon. And it was still a brutal fight. And some characters did get put into the death minigame. But no one actually died. 
Now, Wayne, to your point, what did I think of this? Weirdly, when the possibility came up of my character dying, and I like my character in this game, I was not profoundly bothered by it. And usually I would be because I invest in my characters and I have all these ideas. And I think there were two reasons for it. One, I think a sense of real threat because I'm kid-gloving so much in the campaign because there are first-time gamers and younger people playing. I don't want them to lose something that they care about and that to change their view of gaming. But secondly, as I came face-to-face with the prospect that my character may very well be destroyed in the next three minutes, suddenly my brain starts turning and I start coming up with alternate character ideas. I was like, huh, I wonder how this group would deal with me bringing back Rot as a priest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I also think if combat isn't difficult or there's not that chance of death, then it gets boring because you don't have to be creative. That's what I was going to say. You can just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and you don't have to come up with interesting ways to do things differently. Yeah, I, I deal with that a lot in our gaming. In our group, we typically don't die. So I just feel like I'm there to do the same thing over and over. Whereas if I did have some maybe more major threat, I might be more motivated to either, I don't know, build a character in a certain way that I wouldn't die (laughs) as easily, or I don't know, maybe role play it differently or think of alternative ways to fight something like you said, scatter in a bunch of directions. Like I feel like it would like wake up my brain a little bit more, but we typically don't. Instead of I fire a blast at it, I, Oh, I look around. Is there anything right. interesting there anything I can do interesting? to start turning things? I support this other character's action instead of just the same action over and yeah. over again. We'll stealth through the cave as opposed to attack it. Attack it, right. One of the other people in there is playing a werebear, and he's fairly difficult to hurt. And he was one of the characters that got put in the death mini game in the wow. course of that battle. Yeah. And I think it definitely made him rethink his character a little things. bit that I'm not completely unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I have to say, and, and I think this is true for people who study the martial arts. And certainly this is true for me as somebody who grew up regularly having the shit kicked out of me by my mom. Sometimes you need your ass whooped. Sometimes you just need somebody else to put you down and have you just recognize that there are other people who are bigger, stronger, crueler, faster, more experienced, and that the world is dangerous. Because frankly, I think it was Julia that said earlier that it gets boring. And it absolutely does get boring. If I know I'm going to win every fight before I go into it, then why am I bothering to have the fight in the first place? Well, And if you think of some of the best stories out there where you have two forces meet each other, two characters meet each other and they fight, the best ones are when the guy that you're rooting for loses the first fight, has to come up with a way to then overcome, come back and fight again. And I think I'm robbing my players of that in my campaigns. Yeah, and something I will admit with our gaming group that helped, and maybe this could help with people who do want to explore this is one of my GMs makes us make several characters. So for instance, in our werewolf game, 
I had to create one for each auspice and such. And because of that, I have this like bank of five characters. So it allows me as a character to take chances because I don't feel like I'm going to lose anything because I've got all these other ones that I did put my work and thought process into. Now you kind of get to pick both with like a, a template in mind or the one you like the most, but I still have other ones I'm invested in. So it doesn't feel like I'm losing a character that I, you know what I mean? So it is kind of nice to, I never really thought of it that way until we've started this conversation, but it, it probably does allow me to make decisions I wouldn't normally make in a game where I was super invested in the one character I made. Well, and I also think defeat doesn't necessarily mean death. No. And I know we talked about that on another episode a long time ago, but that's always my fear of, well, if the entire party is defeated, doesn't that mean the end of the campaign? The answer is no, because in all sorts of media, it happens all the time. Then you have a scene in a jail where you have to escape or Mm -hmm. you wake up unconscious where you got your ass handed to you. You were stomped into the ground, but it wasn't about killing you. They went on and did what they were going to do. And now you can come back. One of the virtues of this, like we're talking about, is that it gives you a respect for the world that you start to understand that. You have to be somewhat careful. You're not the biggest, baddest, most unstoppable thing out there. But then also, it does bring variety to the way that you approach the game, that you start to realize this one method doesn't work. Think back to that Battletech game we played where you guys use the dropship as a frontline unit. And I had the enemies dogpile the dropship, and they destroyed it. And in losing that piece of hardware... That was an enormous financial investment because they were playing mercenaries. It was a huge financial loss. And on top of that, if it had worked, what would have been your go-to maneuver for every battle thereafter? Drop the dropship. Drop the dropship in the middle of it, and that's going to work. Now, I did not cheat at any point in that. And this is a point that I think is worth underlining. There's a difference between the party getting defeated and the party getting cheated. That if you put them in a situation they can't escape, where they just get killed and it's completely railroaded, there was nothing they could have done to survive, not run, not surrender, not negotiate, nothing. And or you are cheating the rolls or cheating the hit points because you want to beat the crap out of them. I think that is a bad idea because all that teaches is resentment because eventually they're going to look at the math and realize that you cheated them. There's a mindset out there and I partially blame video games and board games for this, that when you have a fight that is potentially to the death, that it doesn't end until one side is completely obliterated the other side. Because when you play a board game frequently, that's what happens. When you play a video game, like a uh, RTS strategy game, it isn't over until the other side has no troops left. When in reality, if you look at history, that's not how battles happen. Yeah. The battle happens until one side has the momentum over the other that they break and they either retreat or they surrender or they just get broken and run scatter and they may retreat off, rebuild and come back in a slightly different way. A video game series that I think does a wonderful job of demonstrating what you're talking about is the total war series, because in the total war series, you don't play to annihilate the enemy. You play to break the enemy. And when the enemy retreats, there are times it is best to take your troops and just flee the field. Because if you're close enough to reinforcements or a city or a fortress or whatever, you can take that stuff, pull it back, rebuild it, and come back with a 
rebuilt, maybe compositionally changed army and win what you just lost. You know what sucks way more than losing is that knowing you're going to lose and accepting defeat and looking your opponent in the eye and saying, I surrender. And if there is one thing that those obnoxious, pompous, arrogant people sitting on the opposite side of the game master screen cannot possibly do, it is admit defeat. And that is part of the problem is that these stubborn SOBs and just dumb CNX Tuesdays want to just dig their heels in and can't possibly admit that they've been defeated. You know, that's really true. Yeah, you're not Players will typically play until the last one drops. The idea of running isn't something that comes up frequently. Part of that, I think, is because they've been taught that's what the people they fight do. They need to know that it is okay and acceptable for them to run or surrender, that it doesn't mean the end of the campaign, that it doesn't mean the end of their character. Otherwise, they're not going to be willing to do it. Yeah, see, okay. And here's where I get angry because I am with you. And I think that I am old enough and experienced enough and mature enough at this point that my players can trust me. The problem is, is that people have a tendency to not do that. And even though they say, I trust you to not take advantage of me and to not violate my golden box, they still get so paranoid about their golden box that they don't want to let go and they can't just let themselves. It's like me and pegging. I'm just not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to do it. It's just not something that I'm into. And this may well be the hill I die on. Many players in my experience are that way about admitting failure. Oh, yeah. And I I know them. And it's so funny, too, because my husband's one of them. And I know this because he'll watch me play like Assassin's Creed. And I'm very picky about how I assassinate people. (laughs) And so (laughs) this is a weird sentence. And so if I jack it up, I restart. And he's like, why? You could have just fought everybody. And I'm like, no, I want to do it right, you know, and his his thought is just barrel through and finish it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There was a process I had here and I did, it didn't go the way I wanted. I'm going to come back I or I'll go hide and drop the notoriety and come back. I fall on his side with that one. Although the hiding one is definitely that I would do. Yeah. Or come but back. Like I said, I'll restart the. the I don't attempt. save scum on video games. Oh, I do. If I, I screw, <laughs> if I screw up, then I screwed up. And I will own it, and I will keep playing and move on from there. Well, it depends on the game, too. I will admit yeah. that. It depends on the game, but, you know, I will. I will only revert to a save if I've hit a bug, or maybe if something else happened, like I'm in the middle of playing and somebody hit a doorbell and the dogs go nuts, maybe then I might be willing to go back to a save, but not just because I screwed up. I guess I have a middle road of I Me look too. for when the game is irretrievably <laughs> broken, And I don't mean the code. I mean, where I'm at in the game, I have screwed something up from which I am not likely to recover in any meaningful way. I'm playing an XCOM game, and the entire squad got wiped, and they were the only veteran soldiers I had. And 
the enemy difficulties way up, you know, or that part of the game. Now you're going to have to rebuild and you, and you can't. I don't have yeah. sufficiently experienced units or enough stockpile of gear to ever bounce back from that. And so, boom, I'm going to reload that and play it a different way. Well, I think that actually raises an interesting point is that the three of you are talking about replaying video games and re-engaging a scenario. Mm-hmm. That's something in role-playing games that we don't do. You have one shot yeah. at yeah. the encounter. And if it goes awry, if you know if things go sideways, the dice go crazy, bad decisions are made. Well, and the dice was one of the issues in my example. But, but they we, rolled poorly. But we don't go back. Like, nobody at the table says, okay, Wayne, let's... Because it's wrong. Now, why is no, it wrong? It's... Because it because it's wrong. And well, the is it, though? Or... I mean, like, is it... If, if you're... Yes, it is. Because the one or two times <laughs> I've seen it happen where we've actually rolled back either a session or events, it felt like the game lost continuity to it, me. It and it breaks the feel that. and the momentum. And then you start wondering, did I say that in the session that we now didn't do? Or did I say that in the session we did? Well, I guess, what, is there more merit in doing what we said where you, you know, like Dresden is probably a really good example. Like he would always like get the crap knocked out of him and then he would go do stuff to like come right. back to that thing. So maybe like, is that the approach that as the GM, if you notice that your people are going to get wiped and you can let them get beat, but in a way that they can come back to it. So it's like, okay, yes, you yes. know, let's let's like, okay, the big dragon, like yeah. he does something and goes away. Something distracts him. That's like bigger than you guys. Yeah, he's say, not, you know, or like, he's not there to kill you. He's making a point. Yeah. He's he trying to stomps you on you, but he doesn't need to well, kill or you. Even if right. people get killed, that does create both consequence, but also an interesting point of engagement in the story because let's say this dragon was kept as an adult and we fled to the four winds and some of us get away some of us don't you better believe that people that got away coming back for a second round with this dragon is going to be high on their list of priorities that's now game story yeah we went out here once before it was really dangerous we need to be prepared but when we get that revenge, damn, is it going to feel all the sweeter yeah. because of the fact that these two characters or whatever that we really liked and really attached to, They're they dead. got buried by it. Yeah. And it's personal now. It's like the calm lands in Final Fantasy X, where all you do is spam so that you can beat the guy at the end. Anyway, sorry. There is a big difference between losing a battle and losing a war. You're never going to win every battle in a war. Mm -hmm. But we expect to do that in role-playing games. Yeah, yeah. Well, because oftentimes the GMs don't give you another option. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the thing is you have to have another option if the only option you have is war. Yeah, and I agree with Brodor that oftentimes it's It's an issue of player obstinance or player pride or whatever it is. That the idea that I did something with a massive consequence to it is unacceptable. But I think equally, the game master oftentimes is like, you know what? Too bad pedal to the metal even though the people are getting miserable the players all their expressions are sinking this has gone too far so i think so of course you have to fight to the death because the game master will allow no other end of the combat that is an incredible point that goes back to my example of my game so what i did i didn't play the combat all the way out to defeat them all Mm -hmm. once one of them fell and the others had wounds because it was a savage world and it was obvious they were not going to win Then we did the engagement roles for the bigger combat, and they went really poorly for their side. 
And so at that point, I told them, okay, the fort that you're helping to defend has fallen. We can keep doing this. You can keep fighting them or you can run. And I presented multiple options for them and told them, you know, okay, this battle is over. After they're done, then the regulars, not just the super beings you're fighting, are going to come after you as well. You know this. Your characters know this. And I gave them the option outside of the game, GM to player, hey, you want to run? And then we did a couple of rounds of not combat, but of getting away and how they wanted to get away. And they wanted to get the character that had fallen and take that character away with them so they could get the medical help. And because exactly what you're saying, I didn't push the combat at that point. It was not going to be fun as a GM to just stomp them because there was nothing else that was could have possibly happened at that point. So I started giving them other options outside of what the characters were doing. It's like, hey, here's what's going on in the bigger battle. Here's a couple of ideas. And then I let them roll with it. And what ended up happening, like I said, they ran. They got defeated. That fort fell. But those characters, if this were a campaign... They now have a fallback point. They would have rallied. They would have come back and they would have been prepared for the next fight. And because they weren't dead, they had that option. I think that's big. The GM has to realize what you're saying. The players don't feel like they can give up. They feel like it's part of the game. Yes. You need to, as a GM, make sure that you are telling your players, not your NPCs are telling your players. You as a GM need to come out to your players and let them know. No, suggest lines okay. of action. Yeah, there are other options. Yeah, right? yes. if you back them into the corner, they're gonna then, fight. Yeah, then it becomes a TPK or nothing. Yeah, exactly. And so you tell them, "Hey, this dragon looks out of your league, but you think you might be able to sneak around it, or get out of here and come back later, or you notice as people are fleeing that the dragon chases one or two of the people, and maybe it defeats them, maybe it carries them off as." forced labor, I mean, whatever, red dragons do that, or something, but you give the people that are left alive the sense that they don't have zero choices outside of fight to the death. And I think that's something you have to say, I think, when you're correct in that. You have to communicate that in the metagame. But I think that's something you also have to demonstrate, that when push comes to shove and they say, okay, we cry uncle, we give up, that there is another thing there that the bad guy's not yeah. like, okay, drop your weapons. And they do. And he's like, tee hee hee and beheads them all anyway. Because <laughs> now you sent the message of there, okay, there's never going to be any quarter given here. So that's super mean. I hope nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have found that as a game master, for me, things that really, really help is grenade plus horse. Is usually something that works out really well. Uh, Killing friends, family members, children that they didn't know their loved one was impregnated with. Uh, That helps. In a recent game, my wife's character, uh, her her teenage character Betty, totally fucked up a role. And they, she lost her dad's boat, right? They went out sailing for the weekend. It's the greatest impact and hell I've ever visited upon a character without actually killing the PC was her sinking her daddy's boat. Oh my God, it was so good. It's a pain point still to this very day. It was like so a Ferris Bueller yeah, thing. You just gotta, you just gotta car. find those ways to make them suffer, right? 
Oh. I don't ever want to play <laughs> I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> well, the, the one role-playing game that I've played that Brodor ran, the very first thing he did was mutilate our favorite NPC. <laughs> Literally in front of us as players. She got lured into a bear trap. She's chasing these kids who stole these children who stole from the candy shop. She's chasing them away and she hits a bear trap that's in in some trash in an alleyway. And they're like, ha ha! And they hold her down and they take a bone so I cut her freaking leg off. I had just made a new character to bring into the game, and the character I made was her twin sister, not knowing this was going to happen. Gosh! The thing is, I didn't mess with anybody's golden bonds. I get it. I get it. I I get what you're saying. I just look at the the world, and I'm like, well, there's there's a thing that I can, like a bug, I can just smash and smear and leave a streak permanently. Okay, that's that's a fair point. Concrete that you're never going to forget. That stain's always going to be there. A world with consequences does not have to be consequences to directly to the yeah, PC's life. It could mm-hmm. be to something they care about, something they've invested in. For example, in that Battletech fight, the dropship was destroyed, but after that happened, the party realized that they were wildly outgunned here. They called for a, a hardware truce, which is a thing in Battletech, and they were allowed to exit the field of battle. Well, I'm sorry. And, and, and nobody and died. Conditionally, like going forward, right? We're screwed. We don't have a dropship. What do we do to get all that back, right? So I haven't ruined the campaign by killing most of or all of the party. However, I've given them such an impediment. They wish they'd quit the game. They wish they were dead. And now they're going to suffer. I will say, as a GM, the warning I give you for doing that to their NPCs is if you make it a habit, you are not going to get any interesting NPCs from them anymore. Because I know people that have gamed with enough bad GMs that they will make their entire family dead. They play Batman because if they give a living NPC, they just know the GM is going to kidnap or kill it. So then here's what you do. You crush them. It's just like any relationship, Wayne. You build them up just to break (laughs) them down, right? And you're always taking one step forward, but two steps back. So even when you're building them up, they're still so far behind where they were six months ago that you've broken them so you build them just a little bit more like in my call of cthulhu game sure betty sank her daddy's boat but now an npc has manipulated things that his mom rear-ended her dad in an auto accident only as a way to give them extra money so that he could buy a new boat and this npc would have more pull over betty because she would feel indebted to douglas see you just you just keep building the conspiracies and you keep making them and then someday they wake up and they're like oh this guy is great and then there's a horse head in their bed wayne <laughs> Wow. So what we're saying is you're right. You don't want to play. Apparently not. (laughs) Uh, So the only productive advice I'm pulling from that is consequences can have variety. (laughs) But but consequences should have variety. But I I guess especially when so much of our gaming is around games like D&D that have combat. Right. I mean, if you succeed at every task the game is boring. Yeah. Right. Right. If you win every fight, it it gets 
boring. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't disagree. That is one of my GM ruts is I'll hand out failure like crazy if you're trying to do things, but, but I don't battles. do it with battles and combat. And that's something I feel like I may have been cheating my players of all yeah. this time. So yeah. that's what I've taking away from this experience is I need to add that into my toolbox. I want to have my players not win every battle and I want them to understand that's okay. Mm-hmm. Taking it back to video games. There are video games that I don't enjoy because they are too punishing and too difficult mm-hmm. for my taste. Dark souls. Yeah. The Souls series <laughs> is probably a prime <laughs> example of that. And then there are games that I don't enjoy because they are too easy. Too easy. Yeah. I, played the original doom on god mode and it very quickly got very boring oh yeah i remember duke nukem you turn on the mode where you can't be defeated and you initially you think this is really cool this is fun and then you get bored with it in like five minutes yeah it's just not fun anymore that was one of the things that frustrated me about the most recent god of war game easy was too easy but i thought especially once you got farther into the game Normal was too hard. Yep. And I yeah. wanted a mid setting and I ended up having to flip to easy because it was like, I just ain't the Twitch gamer I once was. I probably never was. And so I just wasn't getting past the encounters. It was too much. But then when I flipped it back to easy, the game was kind of too a joke. And it's yeah. like, it, I kept playing it because I was enjoying the story, mm-hmm. but the gameplay experience really got diminished for me. It's like Brodo says, it's the dance of death. Yeah, that's what is fun. You want it to be close. Otherwise, it's not fun. If you stomp them, it's not fun after very long. If you're getting stomped, it's not fun. Uh, Look at thrill seekers. If they don't actually believe on some level they're in danger, they don't enjoy the activity. And you're not wrong. So meaningful reward requires meaningful consequence, or at least the very real prospect of it. In Dresden Files, there's a built in mechanic. If you're about to be taken out of the fight, but you could take like consequences and things, you could still stay in the fight and stay fighting. But you have the option to instead give in, I'm going to lose. But if you do it, you then narrate how you lose. Yeah. So instead of the GM saying, here's the horrible things that happened to you, you can do it. So let's say you're in a fight in a warehouse and you're being hit by a fireball. You can narrate and say, okay, the fireball hit me, tossed me out a window. I landed in the lake. I woke up an hour later on the shore. I missed the rest of the fight. I was defeated. But you're narrating how you survived and and walked away. And I think that is such a great idea because it retains player agency insofar as allowing them to pick the consequence that they can accept. If they're really invested in this character, the character doesn't have to die. Conversely, if they want their character to be very prideful, well, then they can choose death. And I think you can see this even outside of games like Dresden or, say, Inspectors that codify the player being able to describe their own defeat. I think that you can do it just by responding positively to what they suggest. If the dragon's towering over them and is about to kill them and they say, look, my character drops to his or her knees and begs for mercy, that, okay, you now know what it is. And the dragon says... I'll let you go, but you now work for me or something to that effect, you know, or I'll let you go, but there's going to be some kind of penalty with this. So you know that the person doesn't want their character to die, but they're willing to accept 
some price, some humiliation. And so you still have the consequences, but the GM didn't pick them. The player picked them, which maintains agency and acceptability of the loss. Yeah. Let's say you have a group, a party that's going in trying to steal a MacGuffin and they're already in mid fight. They're losing you as the GM could tell them, okay, you want to make a devil's bargain? I'll make you a deal. You can narrate how you got away if the MacGuffin got broke in the fight and mm-hmm. you don't get it. You didn't get what you were. Not only did you not get what you were going after, it is broken and it's off the table out of the game. You're going to have to come up with another way to do your big deal. But you get to narrate your escape. Or a horse head, apparently. Was horse, that- not whore. I said horse. Oh my god, that's even better, Julia. <laughs> like you just wake up and there's some random <laughs> sex worker's head in your bed. Oh, that's baller. <laughs> I promise I said horse. <laughs> All right, well, while Julia works out here, sex workers, I think we're going to go ahead and leave this one here. Check the show notes for links to a couple of things. And other than that, have a great... Wait, wait, can I say one thing before you go? Yeah, sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. All right, and this is about killing PCs. Okay. <laughs> And this is when I Not was. Your players, they're characters. Yeah, they're I'm characters. Sorry. When I was when I was a manager of people, and I and I say this only sort of tongue in cheek, but sometimes everybody needs to see that you're willing to fire a mother. Right. So the staff needs to understand that you're not a pushover. And sometimes you just need to look at your staff and be like, you know what? Who's my biggest head? You're out. Sometimes you just got to kill somebody's PC. Right. You just got to kill their character because then the other people at the table know he's not messing around. People can die in this game. It's about sending a message. It's about sending a message. <laughs> Wow. Addition by subtraction. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you guys have a great week of great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2022. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.